Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the 12th Man Rising Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Lee Vowell and Todd Vandenberg. Hello, and welcome to the 12th Man Rising Podcast, not on your NPR station. This is Lee, and with me is Todd. Todd, what are you cooking this morning? Today I'm making a... Actually, it sounds like you're hammering something in the background. Yes, yes. I, I wish I was hammering something in the background, but unfortunately, it's the guy's working on construction. He chose to do this just now. And he knows we're podcasting? That's ridiculous. I think so. Uh, but at least it's not the jackhammer that was going off uh, yesterday. Not, not yet. At 7.30 a.m., which was good timing. Yeah. I know. People, people in your area, your people, um, they get up early, right? They're up at like four o'clock in the morning, and oh, well, yes. So I don't know what time people. Todd is near, uh, near, um, near death. So I was trying to think of something clever, but I couldn't think of anything. Damn cold. Um, but uh, or maybe just me. Maybe I can't think of anything clever, clever ever. So uh, yeah, Todd is near. Miami and uh, safe, safe. Didn't have too many issues from the hurricane, unlike several other people in the state. It was kind of a weird hurricane, wasn't it? I mean, we will talk Seahawks, I promise. But it was kind of a weird hurricane because it was like if you were still in the state of Florida, but west or northwest, I guess, or southeast, really no issues, right? And then, but if you're in the path, it's like, ugh. Yeah, it's a perfectly bad storm. That hit the west coast, south of Tampa, Fort Myers area, obliterated most of what it hit, cut all the way across the state, exited the state up near Daytona Beach, and now it's hitting South Carolina area. Not nearly as strong as it was here, but the hurricane lobby is uh, is muffling you for some reason. doesn't like that. But yeah. now, there's, now there's literally not an eye, but it's but there's like two fronts to this gigantic storm. So it's this bizarre combination. But actually, even when it was off the coast of Florida, there wasn't. I mean, there was an eye to the hurricane, but there were like centers within the eye, which is really really bizarre. Like they had hmm. multiple eyes within it for some time period. Very weird, funky storm. But you know, the climate's not changing. It's no big deal. So. Right, exactly. So, yeah. yeah. And, and 
there's a tropical storm hitting our friend uh, Mr. Pintner over there in Thailand as we speak. So hmm. well, it's kind of weird we haven't had worse hurricanes this year. Speaking of eyes, have you watched Hocus Pocus two yet? <laughs> I have not watched Hocus Pocus two yet. Came out yesterday. Uh, on Disney Plus, it's it's actually pretty good. It's pretty good. Tony Hale said, "If you like Veep, you'll like." I know that sounds ridiculous, but if you like Veep, you'll like Hocus Pocus too. That does sound rather strange, but I, I will have to uh, for later. Same kind of language, visceral. Ah, no. <laughs> so not kid friendly. No, there's a couple a <laughs> uh, couple of uh, people from Veep, Tony Hale being one, uh, that are in it who have major roles in it and uh not obviously the major roles because that's still the three ladies who do a good job um i mean it's i i don't know if i ever watched hocus pocus at the theater i know it's a beloved film i don't dislike it um but i thought they did it was still fun i thought it was fun for what it was so never been a big hocus pocus fan but I, it is a beloved holiday film there's not a whole, whole lot of family-friendly Halloween films, that's for sure. So, yeah, and I, I know a lot of people... Except for the hostel. Well. The family that stays together. Um, anyway, so uh, moving on before we get into Seahawks stuff. Yay, Seattle sports. The Mariners are back in the playoffs after 21 years. So, ever since Ichiro was a rookie. Nobody's talking about this Ichiro <laughs> curse, right? That he, he placed on the team. Um. He didn't do that. I'm just joking. He seems like a decent guy. Um, but anyway, the 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 Mariners are back in the playoffs. Got um, a walk off home run uh, on Friday night. Whenever you're listening to it, last night was Friday night. So if this is Thursday, your week's all messed up. Sorry about that. But anyway, walk off home run puts them back in the postseason. Um, they actually will get Julio Rodriguez back to uh, next week before the postseason. So the team's is in good shape as they possibly can be. So congratulations to the Mariners. I know there's a lot of, obviously a lot of Seahawks fans are also Mariners fans and vice versa. So it was, it was awesome to see. I mean, just that walk off or as, as the radio guy for the Mariners correctly put it. Um, Cause he, he does this home run call and he's just like, you know, you have to listen to it. I'm not going to spoil it. I'm not going to do it justice by saying, it, but he's like a home run and then postseason. So you have to watch that. You have to tweet the, uh, Radio call. The the TV guy, it's weird how they do that in baseball, right? I guess they do that in football, too. Except football's a little different because it's all network-related. But in baseball, you actually have, like, these are the Mariners TV guys. These are the Mariners radio right. guys. seems like you're overpaying people or paying people for doing the same job. I'd rather hear the radio and then watch. Why can't they do the radio while they're doing TV? Maybe it wouldn't line up. I don't know. But, you think it would, and, and, and I guess I was going to say odd, it's odd that the radio guys usually are better, but actually, you think about it, it's not odd at all. I mean, they have to help you visualize what's happening while you can't see it, so it makes more sense that they're going to be more descriptive. They should be better yeah. at calling the game than the guys who are doing it for TV, because all they, their job, as Vin Scully knew, you know, the patron saint of broadcasters, is at times you just have to shut up. Right. Because it's right there in front of you. you. Guys can't do that. So yeah, or Jack Buck. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes I don't know. just let the moment. There definitely have been uh, lots of people who've done it, but anyway, that's that's neither here nor there. So we're here to talk uh, 
Seahawks, well, except for that we're happy the Mariners are back in the postseason. And hopefully they'll uh, hopefully they'll actually make a, a deep run in the playoffs once they're there. They, ha- I mean, they have the pitching, and now they just need to score the runs consistently, but who knows? But anyway, the Seahawks play the Lions in week four. Well, some of the Lions, not all the Lions, right? Seems like half the team's out. But, uh, you know, and we'll get into the Tua thing in just a minute, but uh, we talked about, I know they played the Bengals, the Dolphins played the Bengals last week, but the Bills and Dolphins played the week before, and the Bills were missing a whole bunch of defensive players, and yet it was still a close game. So while the Lions are missing key parts of their offense, their starting running back and best receiver, the Seahawks defense is so bad, right? That that's not really going to, I mean, you and I might be on the field for the lions and, and they could be productive. Is, is that your concern or what's your biggest concern going into week four? Oh, yeah. My concern is definitely the Seahawks defense, but I mean, for me that if the lions were going to be missing players, I'd much rather they be missing players on offense than defense. And as we always say, it's like, in a perfect world, everyone's always healthy because you want to see their best against your best. But as far as, you know, getting a win, it's more it's more beneficial to the Seahawks for the Lions off. I think the Lions lobby is, is muffling you now for some reason. Yeah, for sure. The Lions offense, what are they averaging, like 36 points a game? I mean, they're just yeah, it's ridiculous. points. Uh, their defense has been rather suspect, too. Uh, they've been giving up as many points or more points in the offense. Um, yeah, the Seahawks defense, I'm hopeful that Cardiff playing on. I, I don't know. Ever since you start, you start saying something bad about anything, and you get muffled. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of lobbies out there muffling you. Uh, what I'm hopeful is that the the issues with the defense is that a lot of them are young, and that's where some of the problems are coming from, as opposed to just a lack of talent or poor uh, communication. So hopefully, yeah. this as we go along. But right now, not looking that great. And, as, and especially one thing that really gets me is there's a lot of really bad tackling going on. Oh, my gosh. It's atrocious. I mean, and, and the problem is it, it's like that happened in preseason, too, right? You think, uh, oh, it's just because the players set out a bunch of the players set out preseason. And then therefore, they even though you should be able to tackle, they still didn't yeah. like how many hit, they don't tackle in, in, in training camp. Right. So not really. So, you know, hitting a player, it's like, oh, the first time I've done it in a year. But all these players are a lot of them are rookies, especially like Kobe Bryant and other players were missing tackles, tack, yeah, tackles in preseason and they're missing them in the game, too. And it's like, OK, this is an issue. Coaching needs to I mean, it's technique. It's, that's all it is. Right. Coaching needs to fix this. And it's not. Yeah. I mean, at this point, preseason is over. I mean. You know, for the players who sat out. Don't but, tell that to Russell Wilson. <laughs> yeah, Russ, the preseason is over for Russ, and we'll get to that too. But for the players who sat out the preseason, or for the most part sat out the preseason, the first three games are done. That's the preseason. And now it starts. But a lot of the people who. A lot of the people. 
it, it cut you off when you said a lot of the people. Again, you're saying something negative and and uh, a lot of lobbies involved in Skype right now. Obviously, a lot of the guys that are missing listening in are a lot of the guys that are missing tackles are not the guys who sat out the preseason. You know, they've got bad angles. They're not finishing tackles when they're there. It's really, really bizarre because everyone expected, oh, Clint Hurt taking over the defense. We're in much better shape and not. Yeah, not at all. Um, KJ Wright, actually, and KJ, you know, he's he's the kind of guy where he's not going to really mouth off on on uh, people all the time. But and he didn't he didn't. Uh, he didn't really specify, hey, Clint Hurts, uh, whatever the issue is um, this year. And we were hoping it, like you said, we were hoping it would be better because we went from Ken Norton Jr., who was atrocious for four years, and we're thinking, oh, anything's got to be better. Well, not so far, unfortunately. But KJ Wright said, you know, switch to more of a 3-4 base if you want. But it's not working. And the players that you have, whatever their strengths, don't work with that. So the coaching needs to correct that issue and put your players, use their strengths and put them in the best positions to succeed. And that needs to happen ASAP. That's what it comes down to. It's just stop trying to force a scheme that isn't working for the strengths of the players you have. And I was thinking, you know, yeah. I mean, Puna Ford, what's he done this year? Nothing. Which is bizarre. How much of this, though, is due to the fact that Jamal Adams is out? Uh, he, KJ said a ton. He said the whole thing, you know, the, really the what predicated the defense's uh, seeming aggressiveness that was going to happen this year. Once Jamal Adams left with injury for the year, it changed everything. But and he's he's right. I'm not arguing that. But at the same time, should that really be the case that you have one player and if he gets hurt, it's like he's not even the best safety. But if, if your scheme is dependent so much on one player and, and then that, that's, that's, that's something that shouldn't ever happen period. But I almost started saying something about Josh Jones has not been good period. He can't tackle, he can't cover. And yet they, he played the last two weeks. He's played a hundred percent of the snaps. Ryan Neal is there to play and they don't, they get, he got zero defensive snaps. We talked about this last podcast two weeks ago too. I, I don't get that at all. I, I just don't understand that. He was good when he filled in for Adams the last couple of years. And now you've gone to Josh Jones. It doesn't make yeah, any I, sense. I don't understand it either. Uh, Neil obviously needs to be in the lineup. I mean, at this point, what's the difference? If, I mean, if he misses tackles and he blows assignments, okay, that's what we already have. So let's see what he can do. Especially since you know that he's done it in the past. It really takes at all. Uh, as far as missing Adams, I I totally get how it's going to impact the defense. And I mean, not comparing Adams to like some of the best defensive players in history, but you know, how would it impact the team? out of the game. Or for the Seahawks. Yeah, I did Seahawks and Cam Chancellor. Yeah, Ronnie Lott and Cam Chancellor. But and, yeah, Chancellor didn't this time. But I think that the issue is there was some backup plan. You didn't, your whole scheme of aggressiveness was not based on, well, let's assume he stays healthy. Because you, 
it's a the defense as a whole, right? It's not like it's not like basketball or not even like the offenses in the NFL. If you have one great player, he can like Derrick Henry. He can transform the game by himself. Defensively, you can't do that. You know, it's it's funny because um, Dave Wyman, who's uh, used to play for the Seahawks, who's has a radio show. He's part of a radio show in Seattle, and he his co-host jokingly always says. Uh, when he's talking about a, a cornerback, he's like, oh, he was guarding the receiver. And th- the term guard um, is what drives Dave Weinman crazy. I- intentionally, he's just playing with him. But he's like, it's not guarding. It's it's coverage. It's it's football. It's not yeah. basketball. And so yeah, they asked that different. question. Yeah. And they asked that question to Josh Jones this week. He was a guest on a different uh, show on SeattleSports.com. Um, and the question was asked to Josh Jones, like, hey, so, you know, Dave, because uh, Dave Wyman was was sitting in on it. And they're like, oh, the difference between coverage and, and guard. Um, and Josh Jones actually had a good answer, which is yeah, the reason it's called coverage in uh, in football is because it's not one guy on one guy. It's a team effort to cover the pass. And that's that's the thing. It's like defensively, it's a team. And yet we, you know, the Seahawks lost Jamal Adams and then suddenly like, oh, we can't be aggressive anymore. And also Daryl Taylor sucks. That could be part of it. But I mean, to me, it's like, but you you have to change your schemes because you don't have anybody else with that skill set that Jamal Adams has. I mean, basically no team did. Right. Because that's why he set the record for safeties as a safety (laughs) because he's able to play aggressively but you've got to be able to adjust exactly they're not that's the issue yep Uh, just like adjusting offensively in the second halves of games where they've scored a combined three points and the offensive i I don't know what's going on with the seahawks coaching staff to be honest is no disrespect to pete carroll i will never disrespect pete carroll he's proven to be a great coach over a long period of time does he need yeah. to maybe make some changes that he's not comfortable with? And maybe the change to Clint Hurt wasn't really that great of a change that we thought it was. And is Shane Waldron, we talked all last year um, just about how bad the offense was, right, for most of the year. And then, oh, Rashad Penny comes back and he's like, uh, he's Eric Dickerson. So yeah. it's it's changes the offense. But And then we go into this year and Shane Waldron's still in charge of the offense. And what do they do? They pass twice as much. And it's like, and then that's bad enough. But then the first half offenses in two of the first three games have been really good. But then they come out in the second half and they can't they can't move the ball. I can't sustain draw drives. And that's because the defense is adjusting at halftime to whatever the Seahawks are doing offensively. And then it's just again, we don't have a plan. It's like we don't know what to do after they adjust. We came in with this plan. It worked. And then if it doesn't work anymore, I guess we'll just kind of hold on. It's like it doesn't work. It's stupid. I don't get that either. Now, Tyler Lockett was very open about that, right? After, you know, at one of the low one of the low points of the Seahawks season last year and made exactly that point. And when your star receiver and I'm, I know DK is like a star, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, realistically, Tyler Ronaldo Nehemiah, the, 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 the receiver on that team, he's the consistent guy. Um, I mean, for instance, like if he had thrown to Tyler Lockett on that last drive when Metcalf was out of bounds, Tyler Lockett's not going to be out of bounds when you throw him the ball. Right. Uh, you know, 
was like, yeah, it, it, it was. It took a long time to go. Amazingly, Gino had a ton of time on that play, but DK needs to know where the hell he is. <laughs> that's a that's that's a win if he knows where the hell. Tyler Lockett doesn't do that. Anyway, when Lockett says, "Hey, we're not accepting at halftime," publicly. You can be sure they're not at And I still can't understand why they are not running ball more. I, I just get it. Especially when it's working, right? In the first half of week three, it's, it was it, like, okay, he's working. averaging five yards a run. He's wor- it's working in every game. I was like, what the hell are you doing? He's like, he had the most carries of the season. We're talking about Rashad Penny, uh, had uh, 16 carries last game. And that's the most? Like, what are you doing? What? Come on, man. This this guy needs the ball 20 times a game. He certainly doesn't need the ball six times. I just don't. And, and what's really flabbergasting about this, and again, not You've you've been you've been muted again by whatever. Yeah. Not saying that Pete Carroll can't coach, just like you said, the guy's a fantastic coach, by far the best coach in Seahawks history. And if the NFL is around in a hundred years, probably still will be the best coach in Seahawks history. But how on earth can you publicly say we need to run the ball more and then you don't do it? You do know you're the head coach, right? Yeah. I, you're the one person who can make that happen, and it's not happening. I mean, they did run more. But they're still not running nearly as much as they should. How many times did Gino? What he had, 44 attempts. 44 attempts, yeah. And then sorry, and I'm not pointing this out as a correction. Penny instead of 16, he ran 14 times. And the only reason I bring that up is because he needs two runs where he could break off 60 yard runs. He did that at the end of the last five games of last year. He just needs two extra runs. You don't know what's going to happen in those runs. He just needs more carries. Makes no sense at all. I just don't. I just don't get it. I, I don't get the fact that they know what they need. To, I'll give them credit on this. Before this game, they said we need to open the game up. More. We need to let Gino. And and they did. They did open it up, Gino. But the way that balance. That's all right. That's what it takes. I got. Wants to do is throw, the, run the ball, run the ball. It's like, yeah, but it's not. <laughs> it's not clearly not. Actually, they should be running the ball more, a whole lot more. Yeah. And hope, hopefully, the Lions are so atrocious at defending the run, that, just as bad as the Seahawks are. Right. Um, that there's no excuse. I mean, I, I kind of wrote this in a couple articles this week, but and jokingly, I have no power, obviously, and just I'm just a fan and observer. But if they don't run the ball a lot more this week. Shane Waldron shouldn't have a job week five. He shouldn't have a job. Yeah. Because what's the point? What's he doing? What's the point of what? I don't understand what he's doing. And again, you said it right. I mean, Pete Carroll comes on to his, his Monday show and he'll say, yeah, we, we missed tackling. We got to make changes and blah, blah, blah. But nothing's changed. There's no changes. And, and just like he pointed out, he's the coach. Hey, if he wants to be like, you know what? I've been a defensive coach my whole life. But I'm the freaking head coach. I've been here since 2010. I've won a Super Bowl. I'm going to start calling offensive players because you're not running what I want you to run, which is the same reason Schottenheimer got fired, supposedly, right? And right. 
Is that what he wants? He wants to to pass the ball. Now I will say, Geno Smith, and you you wrote an article today, today being whatever day you're listening to this. Thank you for listening. Is he was week three MVP, right? He has he threw that interception at the end of the game where he's kind of forced to throw a ball because of they should have been set up inside the ten, right? And then you had the bat holding and and yada yada yada. Geno Smith has a higher quarterback rating than Aaron Rodgers, a lot higher than Russell Wilson, higher than Tom Brady. He's leading the league in completion percentage. Gino, Gino's worthy of being on a three and O team. He is not the issue. Um, and, and it just yeah, opening it up and letting him pass the ball, great. He's 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 worthy of doing that. But the the way you help Gino is you run the ball. Yes, exactly. It's the same very same thing we were talking about last week. You run the ball, you establish the run game. The defense has to come up to cheat against them. You've got more receivers open down the field. And Gino's getting the job done, like you said. And I think it was Jay wrote the article earlier this week. I think it was Jay wrote an article about, you know, just like that he's getting it done. He is. I, you know, like you said, he's, he's more effective so far this year than some guys who are absolutely, absolutely Yep. Not saying that he's a Hall of Famer at all, but I mean, this season he is more than doing the job the Seahawks need him to do, and they're all failing him right now. And yeah, just like Skype is failing you a little bit right now. Yeah, quite a bit. So How dare so, you say something negative about something? It really is weird. Like it cuts out just when you're like. You could be like saying positive, positive, positive. I'm going to say this one thing. It's like, oh. Butterflies and daisies. See? <laughs> Cut me off. Yeah, that was perfectly yeah. clear. It's <laughs> so frustrating. It is so frustrating that we continue to see Pete Carroll acknowledge what his problems are. And like you said, they don't appear to be doing anything to fix it. And I don't like the coach. Yes, he's excellent. But compare what, what did Belichick do last year when they faced the And he literally threw three passes in that game. That was it. Right. And you think that was and, – and I to get to your point, which is that wasn't up to the offensive coordinator. He made that decision before the game. Exactly. The head coach. That's taking control in deciding, okay, this is what we need to do to win this game. I don't care how anyone's going to react to it. This is how we're going to get it. And if they had lost the game, it's still, you've got to have, you have to just take control. I think a big part of it with Pete is that he's so loyal, which is a great quality, that he, 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 he yeah. Take control from these guys because I'm not showing my trust in them. Like, dude, at this point, and it's, it's very early in the season, right? It's not, oh, the season's toast, whatever. It's, it's funny you say that. I'm going to interrupt you for just a second. And it, it, you're still, you're correct. But I was thinking, I was thinking, oh, what article should we, what should we post on 12th Moon Rising, 12thmoonrising.com? And I was thinking, oh, one is we should have like, you know, coming up fairly soon down the road is we should have like, uh, who was MVP of the first quarter of the season? And then I re- realized after the Lions game, we've played a quarter of the season. That's insane. Yeah. Yep, it is. 
I mean, I know there's 17 games now because the NFL hates math, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, basically, it's a quarter. And Pete needs to, and if they want to actually make a push for the playoffs, Pete says they do. You know, the players want to. Is that realistic? Hell no, it's not realistic. But if they didn't believe they could, they wouldn't be in the NFL. None of them. Of course, they believe they could. They should believe that. But Pete, got to take the reins and make it. Yeah, I don't know if you sorry you you keep getting muffled and Skype hates you. Um, I don't know if you heard. I don't know if you heard uh, Greg Popovich's uh, this week. He was asked about his team's chances of uh, the Spurs. He's a coach of the Spurs in the NBA. As far as their chances of somebody betting on them to win the NBA championship, his and Pop is. I love pop to death, uh, just yeah. as a human being and, and everything else. But he said, um, he said, if somebody goes to Las Vegas and bets on us to win the NBA championship, you're just wasting your money. It's not going to happen. And, and they played this on Seattle sports <laughs> because he's, he's realistic and he's correct. I mean, they're not going to win the championship, but they played this on Seattle sports. And they're like, oh, you know, they, it's like, it's a cool thing to say because the coach is being, just completely honest about how he feels, which you don't get a lot, whole lot of. Right. And and Pete, I feel like Pete is honest, but he also puts a rosy spin on everything, right? And they were like, oh, you see Pete Carroll ever saying this? And they were like, Pete Carroll would never say anything like that because he always thinks his team can win the Super Bowl. I mean, if you ask him now, maybe they should. Maybe they're like the Mariners this year, right? Maybe Seattle will start off bad. And maybe they'll win 13 in a row. I'm joking because it's you know <laughs> baseballs are a lot more games, but it's you know. This team, they they look like a one team win, uh, one team, a one win team currently because the schedule doesn't get easier; it gets harder, and and they may keep games close. I mean, got trounce in week two, but I see a whole lot more of week two type games than I see of week one and week three type games coming up, unless there's something that changes in week four and we're like, you know what, a light bulb went on, and Shane Waldron was like bam this is what i need to do and the defense was like oh we adjusted we finally figured out how to play without jamal adams bam maybe the team i don't see any hope that either of those are going to happen and you know the thing is it's not just that rashad penny is is running well the backfield is running the whole backfield is getting the job done when they get the opportunity that's what's crazy I mean, you say when any in case he gets injured, you can't play that way. To begin That's with. what I was thinking too. That's exactly the thought. I was like, "What are you saving him for? He's got he's on a one year contract. He gets hurt all the time anyway. Why are you saving him? Give him the ball twenty times a game. He he would love that anyway. Besides, didn't you spend a really high draft pick? Criticize you, Walker. Dallas is running well. I was like. Do I think he can be like starter? No. But come on. Not like you know, it's not like they have you in sitting in the bench in case Penny gets hurt. It makes zero sense in any respect. You know, uh, the team the team averaged four point nine yards a carry against in week three. Okay. On two of those carries were Geno Smith, negative one. Rashad right. Penny, fourteen carries, four point seven yards. An average. You give him the ball twice, that basically goes almost to the first down. DJ Dallas, three carries, average run, seven. 
Ken Walker, he, he did have that one long run, but he actually got the, he did what he was supposed to do. He got stuffed twice and he went for a long run, which is what this offense has done the last two years when you've given them the ball a penny. Anyway, yep. Walker had three carries, 6.3. Homer, one carry, seven yards. The running backs averaged almost six yards a carry. And it's still like you, you something the offensive coaches are seeing and they're like, you know, that's working, but maybe we should just keep throwing the ball. Yeah, it makes, it makes no sense whatsoever. No sense whatsoever in so many ways. It's like Gino has proven he's more than a game manager, right? But, I mean, basically, that's well, using those terms. Yeah. Um, so, uh, it's like he can, he can do everything to win, help us win the game. But this is a team effort. It's like blah blah blah, and, and it's they're not allowing the team to do that. Absolutely right. bizarre. So let's move away from the Seahawks because uh, I mean I I do have them predicted to. I'm doing the reverse of how I normally do it for some reason this year because you know the last ten years or so they should have won every game or been in a position to win every game, and I've yeah. usually picked them to lose. And this year I'm like oh, I think I think that they should have won week three. They still should have won week three. Um, and I have them pick because of the Lions. Lions are so banged up right now. Seahawks have really no excuses for losing in week four. So I do have them picked in week four. I haven't looked beyond week four because it's ugly out there. But yeah. so moving away from the Seahawks a little bit and getting back into what everybody's talking about, the Tua situation, which is where he, you know, you and I were texting after, what was it, week two, I guess. And he, and he went down. And he got pushed down. He got pushed down so hard he hit his head, back of his head on the on the turf. And then he got up and he wobbled. And he has since said his back lo- his back uh, locked up on him, right? And that was the issue why he went down. It clearly didn't look that way. It looked like he was just stumbling around, like he'd just been concussed. And then he yeah. went into the tent, cleared protocol, whatever, went back on the field, led his team to a win. So in week three, he gets he gets slammed down in a in a play I thought that was a little bit. If it had been Tom Brady who gotten tackled that way, a penalty would have been tossed, and that guy, guy may have been thrown out of the game because it's Tom Brady. But because it's Tua, he gets slammed down uh, hard, hits his, you know, he was down for minutes and minutes, and then left the field, and who knows if he'll play again this season. Maybe he'll come back, maybe he won't. He, he did fly back. He seems to have uh, full full use of his extremities, thankfully, and things like that. But Everybody's getting upset at the NFL because of the concussion protocol, but it's weird, right? Because it's like he he cleared it in week two, so he he came back into the game. You can't hold him out for week three. He came back in week two and played, and I get all that. But and is the it's is it the NFL's fault? What happened in week three? There were so many things that went into that play. The guy should have not slammed him down like that. I mean, he's a Tua's not a big quarterback. He's a big guy that sacked him and threw him to the turf when it was already a sack. And nobody's right. really talking about that. That was a that play was ridiculous. He should have just tackled him, and Tua would have still been playing. Yeah. But I don't see that. I mean, the, the knee jerk reaction for the general general populace is, oh, the NFL sucks, and they do in a lot of ways. But the NFL sucks as far as concussion protocol. But he went through everything. It wasn't like the doctors are like, oh, no, he probably shouldn't play. But OK, send him back out. That didn't happen in week two. We know it didn't happen. 
So he he went out and played, and he he looked fine after he came back out week two. And week three, he got hurt again. I don't right. think what happened in week three was happening in week two. You know what I'm saying? I don't think I think they're two unrelated issues to me. And the game, you know, it's sad. You don't want anybody to get hurt. But he's a small quarterback. So. Right. I th- I think so too. There's I can't think of the gentleman's name, but there's a neurologist who's been very vocal and so forth. Yeah. And you know, food for this. And saying if, if who it dies, it's on their hands. It's like okay. Um. In his argument, I don't think so much is that they violate the rules protocol. The protocol that is that might be accurate. But to do a look at all. There's anything wrong with him when he came back in that game in week two? Absolutely not. He'll absolutely fine. Did, did he look like there's anything wrong with him? Week three. I mean, you know, he, he looked absolutely fine. But, you know, Bills, and then he back to Not struggling. So, you protocols. I don't think the Dolphins heard of the protocols. Uh, everything you hear from Dolphins coach Daniel, does he strike anybody kind of a coach? This is no. absolutely players' coach. I mean, some coaches, like like we were texting before, but back in the past, I actually texted their brothers, like Barry Switzer. <laughs> Barry Switzer would put the guy. If his arm was cut off, coaches from that old school didn't care. About when, that's not today's NFL. I really don't think Daniel. There's no evidence to show. It's like, oh, look how he's playing. Look how he's looking. Nothing. Until that play. So, you know, to your point, you know, the play itself, a little, yeah. I mean, I wasn't surprised they didn't call it, but if Tom Brady, you know for a fact called it. Absolutely true. Now that's that few players, only a very few players get. But you know, it wasn't nearly the week before when the guy shoved him for no reason. It was long ago. You have to touch him. To me, that was much more egregious than the But, you know, thankfully, he appears to be all right. people, you know, unless I'm sure some people would say, oh, you know, that's actually the Dolphins. They turn to you, there's a truth in the But, yeah. The organization did anything wrong. I don't think the NFL did anything wrong. It's like you said, it's two separate incidents. It's like, was it a terrible hit? Yeah. Was it a terrible injury? Yes. Yeah. We don't know. But, and yes, they have a lot of medical, obviously, than I do. But, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, you saw him on TV, but like, uh, we all saw it. Yeah, that was terrible. But show me where he looked like he was struggling before that play. None of them are saying that, right? 
If you right. Have yeah, and that's a key thing. Before the hit, okay, conversation, because that supports the whole argument that is, oh, the NFL screwed up or the Dolphins out there when they shouldn't have. But no one has said that. You know why? Because that didn't happen. Right. Yep. Uh, just anyway, I hope two of the best, obviously, and and uh, I don't. I never want anybody to get hurt. Right. Period. I mean, and no matter what, if you're playing football or anything else, I never want anybody to get hurt. Very, very classy of the Bengals fans to be chanting his name when he took him off on the gurney. That was like that was a very, very good move. But, yeah. You know. Hopefully he'll be fine, like you said. And then and then Earl Thomas came onto the field and flipped everybody off. So it was it was great. I mean it was full and that's his way of respect, I think. I think that's what he does. That is <laughs> But uh that that's our that's our show. Thanks for listening and we'll be back hopefully next week after uh, a Seahawks win. Why are you the worst? Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.